Hi, and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Zial al-Nahale, the leader of Palestine Islamic Jihad, the second most significant militant Gazan group, arrived in Cairo this week for carefully timed talks with Egyptian intelligence chief, General Abbas Kamel. A Palestinian source said Mr. al-Nahale was discussing an end to the Gaza war that would involve an exchange of prisoners, the withdrawal of Israeli forces, and reconstruction of the devastated territory. On the table was a three-stage Egyptian proposal that falls short of mutually exclusive Israeli and Palestinian demands. Hamas used the plan to increase pressure on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to prioritize the release of hostages kidnapped by the group during its October 7 attack on Israel, rather than prosecution of the war. Even so, finding common ground between Israel, bent on destroying Hamas at any cost, and refusing to contemplate an end to the Gaza war, and Hamas's refusal to negotiate further prisoner exchanges without Israel agreeing to a permanent ceasefire and withdrawal from Gaza amounts to a Herculean, if not impossible, task. More than 20,000 people, mostly innocent civilians, have been killed in Israel's 10-week-old air and ground assault on Gaza. The Egyptian proposal seeks to maneuver the minefields by proposing the exchange of all remaining Hamas hostages for all Palestinians held in Israeli prisons, estimated at more than 7,000, in three phases over a period of up to two months, during which both parties would hold their fire. The proposal would allow Hamas to drop its demand for a permanent ceasefire as a condition for prisoner exchanges. Speaking to Al Jazeera, Beirut-based Hamas political bureau member Osama Hamdan said the Egyptian plan was still ideas rather than a formal proposal. We are not yet talking about a solid proposal, Mr. Hamdan said. The proposal envisions Israeli withdrawals from Gaza during the period of exchanges that would force Israel to adopt less devastating more limited and targeted military operations in line with American demands should hostilities revive. The plan further envisions Egyptian and Qatar-mediated reconciliation talks between Hamas and its arch-rival, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas's West Bank-based Al-Fatah movement, on the assumption that Israel's goal of destroying Hamas is unrealistic. An inter-Palestinian agreement would open the door for Hamas to be part of the Palestinian administration of Gaza and the West Bank. In addition, Hamas would join the Palestine Liberation Organization, or PLO, a Palestinian umbrella group. The Egyptian plan envisions the creation of a technocratic Palestinian government, that would take office in stage three. The government would prepare the ground for long overdue presidential and parliamentary elections 
in which Hamas would compete? Who will decide the temporary leadership? Who will nominate these people? We have always said the Palestinian people must elect their own leadership, said Mr. Hamdan, the Beirut Hamas spokesman. That's where the importance kicks in of the Cairo visit of Mr. Nahale, whose Islamic Jihad group focuses on armed struggle against Israel and not on the day after the war or contours of a future Palestinian polity or Palestinian state. The visit buys time for exiled Hamas officials to try to bridge differences with the group's Gaza leadership. Some of the exiled officials favor a reconciliation with al-Fatah that would entail some form of implicit or explicit recognition of Israel, while the Gaza leadership rejects concessions. What needs to happen is to expand the PLO in order to include in its ranks all Palestinian factions, especially Hamas and Islamic Jihad. The Palestinian position is best presented to the world by a united Palestinian polity. There is no other solution to the current impasse, said former Palestinian Prime Minister Salam Fayyad. If the exile officials prove successful, and that is if with a capital I, they could spark a paradigm shift in the dynamics of the Gaza war and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, much like the PLO's recognition of Israel and disavowal of violence did in the 1980s. Hamas has so far rejected following the PLO template. It argues that the template failed to produce an independent Palestinian state and contributed to a weakening of the Palestinians since the signing of the Accords. The shift in Hamas's position, advocated by the exiles, would complicate life for Mr. Netanyahu, for whom acceptance of a role for Hamas in post-war Palestine would likely put the last nail in his political coffin. It would also put on the spot the Biden administration that supports Mr. Netanyahu's goal of destroying Hamas at any cost. However, it wants to see a capable and effective Palestine authority govern both the West Bank and Gaza. Moreover, it could force the United States to exert the kind of pressure on Israel it has so far refrained from applying. U.S. coaxing of Israel has not only failed to persuade Israel to change its military tactics to reduce innocent Palestinian casualties. Israel has also stymied the Biden administration's efforts to make the discredited and cash-starved Palestine Authority viable and more fit for purpose by refusing to release $140 million in Palestinian tax money frozen since October 7 so that it can pay salaries. A second proposal to end the Gaza war, reportedly drafted by Abdelaziz al-Sakhar, head of the Saudi-backed Gulf Research Council, and Anne Grillo, head of the French Foreign Ministry's North Africa Middle East Department, called for the creation of a joint transition council to govern the territory for four years. 
The Council, operating under the auspices of a United Nations-mandated Arab peacekeeping force, would include Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Paradoxically, the plan, which was likely to be even less palatable to Israel, threw Mr. Netanyahu a bone by suggesting that Hamas' political and military leaders, whether in exile or Gaza, should be shipped off to Algeria. The Egyptian plan calls for a first phase, during which Hamas and Israel, much like in November, would exchange 40 hostages, women, children, and the elderly, for 120 Palestinians during a seven to 10 day truce that would also allow for the less fettered entry of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Last month, Israel released 240 Palestinians for more than 100 hostages, mainly women and children, during a one-week truce. In the second seven-day phase, Hamas would release captive Israeli women soldiers and the bodies of killed Israelis. That's where the problems start, given that the established ratio for the exchange of Israeli military personnel is far higher than the one Israeli for three Palestinians applied to civilian women and children. In 2011, Hamas freed Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit in exchange for 1,027 Palestinians. In 1984, Israel exchanged 4,500 Palestinians for six Israelis held in Lebanon by the PLO. And two years later, 1,150 for three Israelis captured by the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command. The third month-long phase of Egypt's plan would see the release of the remaining hostages, primarily Israeli military personnel, in exchange for all Palestinians still in Israeli prisons, including those convicted to long prison or life sentences for killing Israelis. Their release could spark the breakup of Mr. Netanyahu's coalition government, whose ultra-nationalist, ultra-conservative elements reject major concessions. Blamed by a majority of Israelis for Israeli intelligence and operational failures that enabled Hamas's October 7 attack, in which more than 1,000 in majority civilians were killed, Mr. Netanyahu can ill afford a political crisis. If Hamas plays its cards well, it could corner Netanyahu, said an Arab diplomat. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding, and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so 
by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you, take care, and best wishes for the new year. Thank you.